Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. I have Joe E. Collins III, who is running for U.S. House of Representatives in California, District 36. Joe is a 13-and-a-half-year veteran of the United States Navy, a licensed financial professional. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Phoenix in accounting, and he is the former host of KABC radio show, The New Black Republican. He is a a veteran, of course, a business owner. He believes in freedom, and he is pro-Second Amendment. Joe, welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Anchors away. (laughs) Thank you for having me, uh, Mr. West. Yeah, pleasure. Tell everyone a little bit about you and what inspired you to run for Congress, because, you know, uh, I believe we need more military and minority conservatives up there in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, Well, my name is Joe Collins. I'm from South Central Los Angeles, Uh, served in the U.S. Navy for 13 and a half years. Um, What inspired me really to run for Congress was honestly uh, Donald Trump, you know, both good and bad. I saw how the media would would treat him. Uh, unfairly, I go back and watch it and, you know, the whole entire videos for myself. And, and I saw how, you know, Donald Trump went to fight for uh, things that he saw were issues. And, and I want to do the same thing. Being from South Central Los Angeles, uh, we've had a plethora of poor representation. And I think we need blue leaders, not just in California, but across the United States and definitely in our White House right now. Who is the current uh, occupant of Congressional District 36? Who is the current representative? I believe it's Ted Lieu. Okay. And so when you look at him, and, and I've seen videos of him and, and, and several things, where do you think that he is deficient in being a representative? And do you really think that he is doing what is good and strong for our military and our national security? You know, just like a lot of politicians when it comes to Ted Lieu, uh, I think that he looks out for himself more than he looks out for everybody else. Uh, one thing that a lot of people forget is that when you go uh, to Congress, when you sit in a legislative position, uh, your obligation is to represent the people who live in your district. And right now, uh, I don't think the majority of Americans are being represented in a manner that's that's best for them. Now, what are the critical issues when you get out and about in California's Congressional District 36? <coughs> what are the top three issues that you're hearing from your potential constituents? Well, the top three is uh, crime is definitely number one. It would be homelessness and then the cost of living that, that keeps going up. So what are the, some of the things, you know, is it the, the gas, the commodity prices? What are, you know, because, I mean, I've seen some pictures of $9 gas in California. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the gas prices there in your congressional district? Uh, gas price is about $6.50, and, and that's just for regular. And that's the cheap gas. That's like our code. Yeah. You know, ne- never mind the Shell gas stations and the Chevrons where the gas is like $7, 8 but, you know, th- this inflation that we're having right now is taking a toll on every single industry that we have in America. And Californians are feeling the brunt of 
of this. You know, the gas is high, food is high, um, the cost of living, rent is steadily increasing. Everything is up right now. And I got to think about those families who were barely making it when gas was $2. Now gas mm-hmm. is 6 7 8 $9. And you know, what are they doing right now? Homelessness is skyrocketing, and some of these people are living in their cars and going to work. So, you know, we're, we're, in, a, we're, in, a, we're in a situation right now. This is a, this is a pandemic of, of ignorant, failed leadership, and, and we have to be able to solve that by voting in young people like myself uh, across the United States so we can fix these problems. Well, I found it really hilarious that the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is running <laughs> ads in the state of Florida saying that people should move to California to enjoy more freedom. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, he probably meant the freedom to be robbed or, or the freedom to live in poverty. I don't think Gavin Newsom has, has been throughout the, uh, the state of California in a very long time. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends talk to me. They called me and asked me, yo, is, is Gavin Newsom serious? Are people really taking this guy serious with the ads in Florida? And I was like, we don't even take him serious here in California. Um, you know, however, we're going we're gonna to have to have strong leadership in order to beat a guy like that. And, and the reason why I say that is because we cannot continue to allow uh, people who vote for Democrats to continue to be sympathetic when Democrats fail on a consistent basis. You know, we have to point out those flaws and, and tell everybody why we're the better person or the better candidate for that job. Now, when you, you started out and said that the crime and the lawlessness was a big issue, uh, you just saw where the petitions came in to recall the district attorney out there, District Attorney Gascon. Uh, does he have a favorable uh, you know, opinion in your congressional district, or are people willing to say that this guy needs to go away? <clears throat> you know, a lot of people really don't like Gascon. I mean, we could we could see by the seven hundred thousand plus signatures that were turned in. Um, one of the biggest reasons why I never got on board with the Gascon recall is because he was elected by liberals and and people who vote for Democrats. And I think that sometimes we, as Republicans, we act too fast to save everybody or, or to do the right thing. Uh, we should have let those people experience this DA and and, and his abuse of his policies or lack thereof. Um, so they can see, like, this is what Democrats are doing to you on a regular basis. If you don't like the criminals coming back to the to the city or not getting charged for their crimes, then you need to vote Republican. So uh, but, you know, people don't like them and they did what was necessary in order to recall them. Yeah, because I look at the example that was set up there in San Francisco with the district attorney there. No, they're, they're not going to elect a Republican district attorney mm-hmm. in San Francisco, but at least they made a decision that this guy is the wrong guy. And hopefully they'll try to rectify that situation as well up in New York City with Alvin Bragg. Let's switch over now and let's talk about your service to the nation. You spent 13 and a half years in the Navy. What inspired you to want to become a sailor in the United States Armed Forces? <laughs> Um, well, I graduated high school and I didn't have any intentions on going to college. And when a recruiter walked into Walmart and she was extremely pretty, uh, (laughs) she gave me her number and then she asked me the next day if I wanted to have lunch with her. And then next thing I know, they were offering me a job. She lured Uh, you in. (laughs) That's how they do it. That's how the recruiters get you. But, uh, my love for this country grew, um, as I understood the, the mission of the military, as I traveled around the country, as I traveled around the world. Uh, I started to grow really fond in, uh, of this country and my love for this country and the people of this country. And um, that's why I kept reenlisting. Now, did you do some ship deployments uh, while you were in the Navy? You know, unfortunately not. I was put on a, a combat team and ended up uh, boots on the ground in Iraq. Well, nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> I spent a little time chewing that dirt as well. What part of Iraq were you in? 
So we were uh, we were based out of Valladolid Air Force Base, and sure. then uh, our patrol area was really was really big for the mission that we were doing. We were doing a lot of reconnaissance. Okay, very well. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at today's Navy, and I don't know if you've seen this video, but it was the video, a, a training video about how to use proper pronouns in the United States Navy. Are you concerned about this woke military that today is struggling to meet their recruitment goals? Yeah, I think I have a lot of concerns, not just with this, uh, the woke movement or LGBTQ movement moving into the military. Um, I have a lot of concerns about the leadership in the military, you know, how they're folding to, to liberals and, and people who have never served in the military. And and what they're doing right now, the thing that that bugs me the most about it is that they're moving away from the object and the mission of the military. They move in towards more of a, a socialized culture in the military. And that's not what the military was for. Uh, I was a sexual assault and rape victim advocate throughout my tenure uh, in the military, and I've seen a lot of people commit suicide um, simply because they couldn't uh, fit into the military with the, with the LGBTQ lifestyle. And they repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Suicide rates went up because now you have people in the military who don't really care about, you know, what you think your gender is, uh, your um, you know, who, what your sexuality is, like who you love. People in the military don't care. It's always mission first. And, and even, you know, uh, on a broader sense, that type of behavior is supposed to be at home. It's not supposed to be displayed in the workplace, in any workplace, especially in the military. Uh, the vaccines, that was a huge concern because it was experimental. And I think that people in the military should have had a choice whether they want to take it or, or not, you know. But we, we have a lot of weak leaders in the military and, and hopefully um, – in this midterm election, we can get some of these some of these guys out of office, so we can get people uh, in office who have served this country, who know the culture of our military, the culture of um, of our overseas business, and you know we can put forth some policy that's going to protect our service members and improve our interests around the, around the world. Would you support legislation that would return or restore members of the military that have been kicked out for refusing to take that shot and bring them back at their rank when they were put out? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's most necessary. Some people join the military and they predicate their whole entire lives around military service, plan a retirement around military service, and to kick them out over an experimental vaccine was, was ridiculous. That was, a, that was a failed leadership. Now, when you talk about, you know, our military readiness and national security, what do you think? Because I remember, you know, I came in, I'm a little bit older than you, you know, <laughs> 61. But I remember the 600-ship Navy of Ronald Reagan. But today, that <clears throat> Navy is less than, if I'm correct, about 285 ships. What can you do to be an advocate of be a voice to make sure that we once again build back up our maritime strength? Because I get concerned when I see the fact that China has brought out its third aircraft carrier here uh-huh. basically in the last 10 to 15 years. And that shows that they realize that to expand their dominance, they're going to do it through expanding their maritime forces. What are some of the things that you think are important to restore our United States Navy and the United States Marine Corps, that maritime service? Well, well, I think that uh, when you improve technology, things change. And I think that's why we reduce the number of, of uh, ships that we have in the fleet. Um, you know, however, I like more. Military, I like more stuff. though. <laughs> more stuff. More stuff is always good. Yeah. Power projection is what the Absolutely. goal of the military was, was uh, especially the Navy. 
And so we got to have those ships and we got to have those service members who are willing to to go on board those ships, take the planes overseas and and do what's necessary to project power, protect our allies and secure American interests uh, across the globe. And it it just comes with having people uh, in our in our Congress, in our state legislative positions who who agree with that mission and won't do anything to to uh, decrease military readiness. It, It sounds great to decrease military readiness until you have a country like like Russia or China knocking at your door, uh, you know, ready to, you know, blow our bays off. No, you're absolutely right about that. Now, when you're out there and you are campaigning, what is the biggest delineation? What is the biggest thing that you say in a comparative analysis between Ted Lieu and myself, what's the most glaring difference? <laughs> uh, I'm black. <laughs> well, okay, I got that. He, he doesn't have a great tan. Um, I'll tell you this. I've never brought up Ted Lieu in any conversations that I've had with people in the district. And the reason why is because, you know, I ran against Maxine Waters last election cycle because that's the district that I was in. We redistrict and and people know who I am and they know what I want, what I'm going to bring to the table. Um, And we also live in California. It's been ran by Democrats for a very long time. And so people are just purely disgusted by uh, by Democrats. And I don't want them vomiting on me. I want to listen to what people have to say. I want to listen to the issues because I want to be able to take their voice to Congress when I get there. I want to let them know you're going to be heard and we're going to work together to solve these issues regardless of your political party preference. So I spend a lot of time listening, to be honest. Well, I will tell you one of the most important pieces of advice I give to candidates is that you should go out there and talk about what you're for, not so much about what you're against, as you mm-hmm. draw that comparison, comparative analysis between your opponent. Where can people follow you and learn more about your campaign? Yep, you can go to my website, JoeCollinsForCongress.com. It's all spelled out. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Joe E. Collins and the number three. What do you think is your biggest challenge? Uh, my biggest challenge is trying to talk to as many Democrats as possible. We have mm-hmm. 752,000 people that live in a district, and I need to get a, get a hold of at least half of them uh, so we can win this race. But it's definitely winnable. Well, I appreciate you, your service to the nation and the United States Navy, and now your continuing service to the nation, as I hope to be the next member of Congress from California's District 36. Joe Collins III, thank you so much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. God bless and God be with you. Anchors away, sailor. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Again, if you like this podcast, please share it with others and hit that like button because the whole purpose here is to better inform, better educate, and better activate you. And we wish the best to Joe Collins III. We appreciate his service to the nation in the United States Navy, and we wish him all the best out there in California's Congressional District Number 36. Before they burn it down